My name's Hannah. If I haven't met you, um, it's an honor to get to speak to you today on Mother's Day. All right, so today um, I'm going to speak to you a message called Under the Broom Tree. And this is a place in the Bible where God really met with Elijah. And I know that in the same way this happened for him, God wants to meet with you in your desert, in your dryness, in your weakness. God is going to meet with you. So I'm going to start with a question. Have you ever felt like running away? Have you ever felt like things aren't as you expected them to be? Have you ever got to that point in life where you're like, shouldn't I be further than this by now? Shouldn't I be impressive by now, God? <laughs> well, that was Elijah. Um, we're going to read about him. And he had an extraordinary high moment. He had a victory of biblical proportions. Like, where did that? <laughs> it literally was biblical. And um, basically, um, if you haven't read it, the story is that 850 false prophets who led the people astray, who encouraged them to do self-harm and to worship false idols and just what basically tormenting the people in the name of, of life and God, and this is going to help you. Um, and Elijah went up against them by himself, just him and God. And um, they both put out all their offerings, and they said, where the fire falls, that's who's the real God. And of course, you don't need to read it to know, God won. Yes. The other people, didn't really work. And, yeah, he had this prolific high moment just, you know, have you ever had that moment where everything's just going right? Everything's happening. You feel like, yes. You even start to feel like you're pretty good. And, um, and then something comes, a low comes, something hits you. Maybe you finally conquer an addiction and then you realize, oh, I have other problems too. <laughs> Does that ever happen to you? Or you're like, I'm doing so well, I've given up, you know, bad language or whatever it is you're struggling with. And then you stub your toe and you're like, no. We all know the toe. Why is that so bad? I don't know. But anyway, um, this is, this, I really did experience this a number of years ago. Um, I came to Jesus at 20 years old in England. I was not raised a Christian. Um, but I had a radical, life-changing encounter with God. And people tried to get me. People invited me to church. Um, God was working on me for many years, but he eventually got me. Okay, if you can guess where I was when I got saved, you get a prize at the end. Oh, he already knows. A bar. <laughs> That would that is very iconic. A pub. It was a red double decker bus. You can't make this up. It actually happened. Anyway, it was intense and amazing. And then very rapidly, like God filled my life with His Spirit and purpose and dreams and visions and just like everything you read in the Bible was happening to me. I didn't deserve it and I didn't understand it. Um, and one of the things that God told me was to move to California. And I had no fear. I knew it was the voice of God. I just was like, I'm in. I'm doing it. 
And then I got here and I cried almost every single day for three years. I was thinking about it earlier. I was like, that's probably like clinical depression. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> it's good. I encourage you. You're going to be able to laugh about your sorrows one day. Like now, oh, in the time, oh my gosh, it was bleak and hard and I miss my home and I, I was wrestling. Like, I know this is the Lord, but it's so hard. And I just want to tell you, like, just because it's the Lord, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Elijah did incredible things, and within 24 hours, he wanted to die. Just because the Lord's using you and, and speaking to you, and you're, you're following him and you're trying, it doesn't mean it will be easy or without pain. So let's read it. Let's read the story. Um, we're going to read from 1 Kings chapter 19. So King Ahab told the queen Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. Elijah broke. <laughs> like he had the most high moment. He did something so profound in the spirit of God, not in his own strength even, just God's power worked through him. And then, boom, reality hit. And he had a threat on his life. And he was filled with fear and anxiety. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, you know what that's like. You're walking down the street, you're so happy, and then it's like, Arr! just if you've had a panic attack, you know what I'm talking about. It's the worst and, and you it just cripples you. And this is what happened to him. He just was like, I can't do this. I, I'm going to get out of here. Um, you know, Christianity isn't about being perfect. That's God's job for all you perfectionists out there. It's a, it's a good aspiration, but you're never going to accomplish it. <laughs> like only God can be perfect. Only God can be flawless and healthy and whole. You're going to break. You're going to struggle. You're going to be afraid even, even if it's a great time in your life. You can be in a great season and then boom, something happens. It's okay. I want to tell you, like, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to weep. It's okay to let go of the things that you thought you'd never have to let go of. And I think one thing that we struggle with as humans is when that happens, we just condemn ourselves. We're just like, I'm the worst. I always knew I was the worst Christian in this whole church, but now it's true. <laughs> we're bad, aren't we? We look around and we're like, I know I'm worse than them. I'm definitely worse than them. Look at her. Her arms are like, ah, in worship. And you're like, oh, I can't even put my hands up today. But the gospel is, is so powerful there's no condemnation in the gospel. We're here today because we have freedom and we're not condemned. Your past doesn't hang over you. Last night doesn't hang over you. Your argument in the car on the way to church doesn't hang over you. Ooh, how many times have I almost got pulled over on the way to church? I'm like, 
Like, this would be the worst testimony, but like, officer, I was so late for church and the kids were screaming. Ah! Anyway, even if, even if your struggle is right now, if it's happening in this minute, there's no condemnation. In Romans 8, 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what did Elijah do? He's desperate, he's broken, he's run away. In verse 4, it says, He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and sat and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It's enough now. O oh Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. One thing I love about Elijah is he was so honest. He was so honest. The first thing he said to God, he just said, it's enough now, Lord. It's enough. And some of us feel like that in our life. And, and it's time just to be honest with God and honest with someone trustworthy and just say it. What we have a saying for it. I'm at the end of my rope. I've hit rock bottom. Just like Elijah, it's enough. Like I did all this. I'm desperate. I don't know what to do now. That's, that's who you are before God. You don't have to hide yourself from God. You don't have to try and fix it. This is what I like to do. I like to go over here and deal with all my non-times reading the Bible, all the times I didn't pray, all the bad words I said. Hang on, God, I'm just sorting them out. Just sorting them out. Don't look, don't look, don't look. Okay, now I'm better. Now I can talk to you. Don't we do that as humans? Maybe not. If you don't, you should be preaching this sermon. Because I do that. It can be hard, but I just want to tell you, God has a friend for you. If you don't have a friend, like he has a friend for you in this church. Or maybe it's in your last church, or maybe it's somebody you already know. But God has a friend for you. And you can ask him for one if you don't have one. Because he wants to give you someone that you can say the truth to. Um, so let's keep reading. It said, he said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. And you've probably heard this saying, but you know, comparison kills. Comparison steals your joy. Elijah in that vulnerable moment, he did what I think we all do, and he compared himself. He's like, I'm no better than my father's. I'm just like, I'm just like him. I'm just like her. Have you ever said that? I'm just like my mother. I, lo I love you, mom, if you ever get to watch this. I definitely am like her, though. All the, all the crazy running around up here, that's from my mom. Anyway, I have a story about comparison. Um, so basically, short version, a few years ago, I decided I was going to face my fear about my physical health. So for many years, I've struggled with... Um, high heart rate, tachycardia, and a valve problem in my heart. And so it really debilitated me, like, mentally. Physically, sometimes too, yes. But mentally, I was like, there's so many things I can't do. And I was afraid. Like, I thought, I can never run. I can't do that. That's too... Um, I don't want my heart rate getting that high. Anyway, I got help, and I started... Um, 
jogging and I oh it was really embarrassing I had to walk for 30 seconds and then I was allowed to run for 30 seconds I like I felt like such an idiot at, at Lake Murray because I was like what all the people behind me they must think I'm mad because I'd be like walk 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 run 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 walk 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 anyway that process went on for ages until I was allowed to run and um I'm just gonna say that after a while I was like I'm pretty I'm pretty good at this like you know, if you run at the lake, the slowest people go on the right. And then so you've got like the walkers with the dogs and you've got the joggers and then you've got the serious runners in the middle. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fast. Like, I'm not fast. I'm just like, you know. But I was like, wow, I'm faster than this person walking their dog. So. <laughs> and I have really embarrassing form. I know that because um, I ran the 800 meters once. Don't, I don't know why the teacher made me do this. And at the finish line, everyone was cracking up. And I was like, what's going on? They were like, it was how you're running. You're running like this. <laughs> Never ran that again, I'm telling you. Anyway, so I'm running and I'm feeling like I'm pretty good. I'm comparing myself and I'm like, I'm better than these people. Have you ever done that when you start to get a little proud? Oh, so dangerous. So anyway, I'm running. And you always keep an ear out um, for people coming past like bikes and you know, the real pro athletes. So I'm running and I can hear in the distance like, oh my gosh, there's a real runner coming. I could hear the like, go, 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 like the pavement. It was like serious running and the pace. It was like perfect rhythm. Do you know what I mean? Like in the film. And I was like, oh gosh. Anyway, and then I'm like, but I can hear something. It sounds like they're praying. Like, and in the name of Jesus, by faith, you are made well. And I just speak to you, you're a woman of life and peace. And I was like, this is me when I'm running. I'm like shaking. Water's dribbling. Water's dribbling down here because I'm like so tired. I can't speak. And I'm like, and then this woman, she just goes past me into the distance. And I'm like, it was Sarah Bianchi. pastor's wife. So there was me starting to feel like I'm something special, comparing myself to all those slow people at the lake. And then Lord's like, <clears throat> I just want to remind you that whilst you're drooling, this woman is delivering the sick and raising the dead <laughs> and lapping you twice. So anyway, um, when you're weak and vulnerable, like don't start comparing your life and where you're at. Don't start saying, I'm no better than them or I'm better than them. Like that's going to destroy you emotionally. Um, yeah, don't do it. So I'm humbled by you, Sarah, every day. Anyway. I'm no better than my father's. And then in verse five, it says, and he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And in the Bible, there's like thousands of years of history in very little pages. And sometimes we don't get very much detail. So when we do get detail, we should really pay attention. And I'm like, why do we know that he ran, uh, sat under a specific tree? And um, of course, like a tree, what does it symbolize in the desert? It's like it, pro it provides shade. It's got the deep roots to survive in the desert. You know, like these are all amazing pictures of God. Like he shades us. He's rooted. Like 
there's rest in God's presence. He's respite in the desert. But I looked up, I did some research on the broom tree and the real name of it is a ratham. I'm sure that's how you really say it in Hebrew. Anyway, um, it means to hold and to harness and to reign. And I was just thinking like, that's what God does for us when we're in need, when we're running away, when we're flailing, when life is bleak. He said, let me hold you. Like, let me rein you in. I just think about what they teach you to do for toddlers when they're having a tantrum. All your flesh wants to do is stop it and get into a room for a timeout. I've never acted like that around my children, of course, just theoretically. But what, what they tell you to do, like if, if you have a child that acts out a lot, they're like, you need to hold them. Instead of time out, they told the therapist when we were doing adoption, said, you need to do a time in. Like, hey, come and be in with me. Like, let's go in the kitchen. Let's have a time in. It's really hard. Our flesh is like, no, I want a time out. I want to run away. I want to complain. I want to, I don't want God right now. But God says, no, let, let me hold you. Come and rest. Like, rest your back. How nice would that be? You've been running in the desert and then there's suddenly somewhere to lean. Take all the pressure off your spine and relax and have shade. In case you can't imagine it, I recreated it for you. It's authentic and it's very stylish. There we go. <laughs> Justice, my seven-year-old, put this boulder in a bag for me this morning. And I was like, do not break your foot because I have to leave and I have to leave you even if you get injured. <laughs> I'm preaching. And he's like, I will not. I am strong. I was like, I know you are, but oh my gosh, be careful. Anyway. Here's the, um, also, another very authentic touch. Da -da -da. A singing cactus, which definitely was there in uh, Elijah's dark moment. So anyway, I need to look at my notes, otherwise I'm just going to be very distracted. Okay, so in our bleak moment, what does God do? It says in uh, verse... Five, he lay down and slept under the broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. I just, I love how God interacts with us. And if this isn't your experience, I'm, I'm really sorry, and maybe you haven't heard who God is, or maybe your experience has been different, but this is who he is. He, he leans down, he touches you. He's, he touched him. That's what we crave, isn't it? Even though we fight it and we think, I can do it by myself. I'm going to be, I'm going to make it. We need a human touch. We need like the loving touch of a person. We need God's touch. And he says, rise up and eat. Like, God encourages us. He lifts us up. He does all the five love languages here, if you know about those. It's like the touch and the gift and the cake and all that stuff. The cake isn't a love language, but you get the idea. Anyway. <laughs> it was. It was an act of say so he baked that cake in heaven, brought it down onto the hot stone. Anyway. He helps us and he strengthens us. And so, here we go. I made my mum very sad growing up because I never ate a piece of my birthday cake. 
because I was a very stubborn child and also I don't like cake. But when God said, if I was in the desert, <laughs> if I was in the desert and I was desperate and wanted to die and God says, here's a fresh cake on a hot stone. I'm like, that actually sounds pretty delicious. I decided that it sounds like something you get in a North Park restaurant. We will bring to your table hot stones with a fresh baked cake. I cannot handle pretentious food. Jason loves it. He is a foodie. And I'm like, oh, please. And it's like, here's one carrot deconstructed with a leaf. It's like, so glad I'm paying $25 for this deconstructed carrot. Anyway. <laughs> I can't even remember what I'm saying, but... There's a hot cake, basically. <laughs> it's satisfying. It fills you. Like, that's, that's the kind of private life with God we need to foster. And it doesn't always start like that. And it's, sometimes there's times where it doesn't feel like that. But that's who God is. He says, when you're in the desert, I'll bring you a cake baked on a hot stone. Like, I'll bring you sweetness. I'll bring you Mm, goodness, and it'll be warm. And then he brings you the jar with the water. And I know, I know from our epic failure of a hike in Palm Desert a few weeks ago where I fell over six times. And I got heat stroke and I felt sick for about five days afterwards. It was great. I know that cold water in the desert is what you need. Here we go. Are you ready? It's going to be good sound effects. It's quality. No expense spared. Did you even hear it? <laughs> the front row was like, anyway, it was like whooshing water. I think about Jesus when he was at the, the well with the woman that's life was like uh, falling apart and she was empty. And he said, if you knew who I was, you could have had drank real water, living water, and you'd never be thirsty again. Like That's what your prayer life can be like. That's what worshiping God can be like. That's what hearing his voice can feel like for you. And it's all right if it doesn't now, but that's who God is, and that's, it's, it's for everyone. It's not, just, it's not just for the prophet. It's not just for the pastor. It's, it's for all of us. In case you're not sure, in James chapter 5, sometimes you don't believe the preacher. Because I'm usually in the audience, so I know. I'm like, yeah, Robert, but come on. That doesn't count for me. That just counts for, like, you know, spiritual people from Texas. <laughs> but in James chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. This is your story. These are just, these are all people like you and I that just keep going, that said yes to God, that failed, that hurt, that wanted to die, that wanted to give up, but God sustained them. God saw them through. God was merciful. I was thinking too about Elijah's really interesting because we learn about three times he got fed in the Bible, which is pretty unique. And the first time was by ravens. So that's special. It's like, 
He had nothing to eat in the desert, and, and birds brought him food in the morning and the evening. And then he went and um, asked a widow for food, and she said, I only have a little bit left, and she gave it to him, and he did a miracle, and her food kept overflowing her oil and, and her jars. And, and I was thinking, that's like our life, you know? Like sometimes we get fed by miraculous things, stories, other people's lives, people, things happen. But don't we just need times where like God himself feeds us? Like, it's great to come to a message and be like, that was for me, that's great. And then you go home and you're like, ugh. But no, God wants to feed you directly. He wants to feed your life. He wants to lay out what you need. He says in um, Psalm 81, is that right? Yeah, Psalm 81, 10. He said, I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. It's one of the best scriptures ever. It really is. Sometimes when I'm praying, I do this. If you ever see me, I'm either falling asleep or I'm doing this. Because <laughs> it's like sometimes you have to do a symbol to God. You know, like, here I am, like, fill my mouth. But we know it's not just about food. We know it's like the deeper need of every person to be loved, to be seen, to be accepted, to have purpose, to be forgiven. Like, that's what God's saying. And you're like, well, how can I trust him? Have you ever had a person say they're going to do something and they don't? I'll love you forever, every teenager says to the other teenager. I remember at 10 years old, I was like, I will always love James forever and ever and ever. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're very weak and frail as humans, but God says, you know, you can trust me because I'm the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I delivered 5 million people from slavery in a day, and I walked them through the dry bed of a crazy Red Sea, and I deliver them to the perfect land for them. I can fill your mouth. I can meet your needs. I can heal you. I'm that same God. That's how you know it can be done. So let's get on the healing journey. God's patient. He's patient. And what happens after that? He, he ate and drank and lay down again. And then in verse 7, it says, And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Oh, oh, I lost my line. Came again and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. God knows that the journey is too great without his ongoing help. He knows that you can't do it in your own strength. Sometimes he lets you try for a while just just to, because <laughs> we're stubborn and he's gracious and patient. And then as soon as you're ready, he's like, let's do it again. So he lets you rest and sleep and then he's like, okay, more food, more drink. And now we're ready. Now we can go. And so, um, yeah, get on that healing journey. You can sign up for a freedom session in our church. That's an amazing way. Maybe you're like, well, I don't have money for a therapy or I don't know someone that can pray for me. We want to provide those resources for you. So you can literally scan the QR code in front of you. Yes, we love QR codes. All People's Church, QR code, headquarters, I don't know. 
We're keeping them in business, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, we have a Road to Freedom group that's ongoing. Find a trusted friend in the church. Like I said, you can ask God for a friend. I've, I did that, Jason's done that in different seasons, especially when you're moving or transitioning or in a different life season. Sometimes you're like, Lord, I just need a new friend. I need somebody. And God will provide for you. You know, God, he's going to meet your needs in the right way. Like, this is what we need. We need fresh food. Well, we don't need a cinnamon bun from a tube. You know, the popping on tubes. I made that this morning. Um, but we need, like, the right food. Like, we need food from heaven. We need something fresh from heaven. We need living water. You're going to feed yourself. You're going to feed yourselves with alcohol with porn, with bitterness, with envy. You're going to find something, but it's not going to satisfy you. God will satisfy you. God will feed you the right way. And what happened to Elijah, I love it. It says he, he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. God's going to strengthen you for the journey so that you can get to the next place. And guess what the next place is for you? It's the presence of God. It's the mount of God. It's the place where Elijah had a, another incredible experience. He literally was like two inches away from God himself. He got vision for his life. He knew that he didn't need to die. He, God called him where to go next. He gave him Elisha. He said, you're going to have a friend to mentor and who's going to take your place one day. He gives you people in your life. And it all just starts with resting under that tree, the tree that God provides in the desert. And so I'd love for us to just stand together and respond to this.